Lord has made. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to rejoice and be glad that I am alive, living in it. Father, today we're going to be Rhema reading the book of Esther. Thank you, Lord. The book of Esther, the book of Esther. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. We get to go into the book of Esther. Here we go. Father, we just thank you for being in the midst of us, Lord God. We thank you for giving us ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying, giving us eyes to receive, a heart to receive, and to believe, and to bring forth good fruit. Father, we thank you today that we will be a laborer for you. Father, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you all the praise as the Holy Spirit is our teacher will reveal to us what it is that you're saying through book of Esther. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. It says, these events, I'm reading NLT, the book of Esther, chapter one. It says, these events happened in the day of King Azarus, who reigned over 127 provinces, stretching from India to Ethiopia. At that time, Exorus ruled his empire from his royal throne at the fortress of Susa. In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. He invited all the military officers of Persia and Media as well as the princes and nobles of the province. The celebration lasts 180 days. A tremendous display of the opulence, wealth of his empire and the pomp and splendor of his majesty. He uh, verse 5, it says, when it was all over, the king gave a banquet for all the people from the greatest to the least who was in the fortress of Susa. It lasts for seven days and was held in the courtyard of the palace garden. The courtyard was beautifully decorated with white cotton curtains and blue hangings, which was fast, fastened with white linen cords and purple ribbons to silver rings embedded in marble pillars. Gold and silver couches stood on a mosaic pavement of pomfrey marble mother of pearls and other costly stones. Wow, the event center was beautiful. The king spout, it was decorated beautiful. Verse seven, it says, drinks were served in gold goblets of many designs and there was an abundance of royal wine reflecting the king's generosity. By edit of the king, no limits was placed on the drink. And you say, for the king had instructed all his palace officials to serve each man as much as he wanted. Wow, what a party, what a party. He was generous. He said, you know what, there's no limits. Have what you want, eat all you want, drink all you want. This is what the king is saying. I mean, he's put on a nice party, right? It says, at the same time, Queen Vashichi gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King, at the King Exorus. It says on the seventh day of the feast, when King Exorus was in high spirits, he was feeling really good. He was feeling really good. The queen gave her, she gave her banquet and he gave his banquet and his festival. And he was in high spirits. He was feeling good because of the wine. He was feeling good off the wine and everything. And he told the seven eunuchs who attended him, Mehem, Bitram, Harbun, Bigram, Abatha, Zethara, and Karsa to bring, you guys better go back and read these names, to bring Queen Vashiva to him with the royal crown on her head. He wanted the noble and all the other men to gaze on her beauty. He wanted to show her off. He said, go bring her to me. For she was a very beautiful woman. 
it says she was a bit, but when they conveyed the king's order to Queen Vetchai, she refused to come. This made the king furious and he burned with anger. She didn't do what he asked. Verse 13, he immediately consulted with his wise advisors who knew all the Persian laws and customs, for he always asked their advice. The names of these men was Kasher, Shasher, I cannot pronounce these names, Amanthic, Tarnish, Mir, Marcina, and Munikin, several nobles of Persia and Media. You guys need to go back and read these names. We've got to read this stuff for ourselves. He said they met with the king regularly and held the highest positions in the empire. What must what must be done to Queen Vechi? Vechi? The king demanded, what penalty does the law provide for a queen who refused to obey the king's order? Properly sent through his eunuchs. What do, what do we do? What's the law? I mean, what can I do to her for not obeying me? A mimican answered the king and his nobles. Queen Vechai has wronged not only the king, but also every noble and citizen throughout your empire. She's being a bad example now. Verse 17, he said, women everywhere will begin to despise their husbands when they learn that the queen, Vashai, had refused to appear before the queen, king. Well, hey, when, if this word gets out that she refused to come to, to her king, when, they're going to despise their husbands. We're going to have to do something about this. We got to put a stop to this. We can't let people know that the queen did this. I mean... <laughs> I mean, she's like the leader of the women. We can't let them know because if they think that the queen can do it, then they think we all can do it, right? He said, but before this day is out, the wives of all the king's nobles throughout Persia and Media will hear what the queen did and they will start treating their husbands the same way. Oh, my sweet husband. Oh, thank you, my husband, for joining in. Um, he said they'll start treating their husbands the same way. He said there will be no end to their contempt and anger. So if it pleases the king, we suggest that you issue a written decree, a law of the Persian and media that cannot be revoked. It should order that Queen Vechai be forever banished from the presence of King Xerxes. Uh, uh, I know I pronounce this man name. And that, that the king should choose another queen more worthy than she. Now, she's been the queen Vetcha is getting ready to be pushed out because she did not want to obey the king's orders. Verse 20, it says, when this decree is published throughout the king's vast empires, husbands everywhere, whatever their rank, whatever their rank will receive proper respect from their wives. Now, we got to do something about this. You're going to have to make a law because if these men find, if these women find out what she did, they're going to think it's okay to disrespect their husbands too. 21, it said the king and his nobles thought this make good sense. So he followed Mechican's counsel. He sent letters to all parts of the empire, to each providence in its own script and language, proclaiming that every man should be the ruler of his own home and should say, whatever he pleases. <laughs> just, just, listen, the word of the Lord says that the man is the head of the household, right? But we don't want to just say what we please, but this was the king's decree, right? This is what the king decreed. He was very angry. He went and got some advice um, because the word of the Lord said that when a man uh, 
is that awkward his wife when he's bitter it towards his wife it hinders his prayers right okay exodus chapter two he said i mean esther chapter two but after esther's anger had subsided he began thinking about queen about vechi and what she had done and the decree he had made so his personal attendant suggested let us search the empire to find beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint agents in each province to bring these beautiful young women into the royal harm at the fortress of Susa. Hedgei, the king's unit in charge of the harem, will see that they are all given beauty treatments. After that, the young women who most pleases the king, the young women who most pleases the king will be made good morning good morning can i take you off for a minute though so i can see when people come on okay good morning thank you for your prayers okay um after the young men who are most pleased the king will be made queen instead of vetchi this advice was very appealing to the king so he put the he put the plan into action so now he said listen we're gonna go find us another queen we're gonna replace queen vetchi with another queen we're gonna find us she didn't want to obey me she didn't want to do what i say verse five it says at that time there was a jewish man in the fortress of Sucha whose name was mordecai son of Jair. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and was a, de and was a descendant of Kish and Shemai. His family had been among those who were King Jehushimim. I cannot pronounce these names. You guys want to go back and read it. Of Judah, Judea had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadashai, who was also called Esther. It says, when her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. As a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many other young women, were brought to the king's harem at the fortress of Susa and placed in Hagar's care. Hagar was very impressed with Esther and treated her kindly. Here come the favor of the Lord. He quickly ordered a special menu for her and provided her with beauty treatment. He also assigned her seven maids specially chosen from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maids into the best palace in the harem. Here we go. Here goes the favor of God. Here goes the favor of God. Here goes the favor of God on Queen Esther's life. Esther had not Esther had not told anyone of her nationality and family background because Mordecai had directed her not to do so. Every day Mordecai would take a walk near the um, courtyard of the harem to find out about Esther and what was happening to her. Before each young woman was taken to the king's bed, she was given the prescribed um, 12 months of beauty treatments, six months with oil or myrrh, followed by six months with special perfumes and ointments. When it was time for her to go to the king's palace, she was given her choice of whatever clothing or jewelry she wanted to take from the harem. That evening, she was taken to the king's private rooms. And the next morning, she was brought to the second harem where the king wives lived. There, she would be under the care of Sashiga, the king's eunuch in charge of the concubines. She would never go to the king again unless he especially enjoyed her and requested her by name. You know, you could not just go into the king's presence unless you were summoned to do so. Right? So it says she would never go into the king's presence again. 
Verse 15, Esther was the daughter of Abigail, who was Mordecai's uncle. Mordecai had adopted his younger cousin, Esther. When it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Haggai, the eunuch in charge of the harem. She asked for nothing except what he suggested, and she was admired by everyone who saw her. Look at the favor of the Lord. Look at the favor of the Lord. For such a time as this have we been chosen. Look at the favor of the Lord. Whatever God calls us to, he will grace us, but he will also give us the favor. Your gift will make room for you and you will stand before great men. You will stand before kings. Your gift will make room for you. You don't have to make room for your gift. Your gift will make room for you. Verse 16, Esther was taken to King Aserus at the royal palace in early winter of the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashita. She celebrated the occasion. He gave a great banquet in Esther's honor for all his nobles and officials, declaring a public holiday for the providence and giving generous gifts to everyone. Verse 19, even after all the young women had been transferred to the second harem and Mordecai had become a palace official, Esther continued to keep her family background and nationality a secret. She was still following Mordecai's direction, just as she did when she lived in this house. And the multitude of counsel is safety, right? And the multitude of counsel is safety. One day as Mordecai was on duty at the king's palace, two of the king's units, Bigotham and Terrace, who was guards at the door of the king's private quarters, became angry at King Exorus and plotted to assassinate him. But Mordecai heard about the plot and gave the information to Queen Esther. She then told the king about it and gave Mordecai credit for the report. When an investigation was made and Mordecai's story was found to be true, the two men were impaled on a sharpened pole that was all recorded in the book of the history of King Ezra's reign. Um, they, they hung them high on that pole after they found out that they was plotting and planning to kill the king. Verse three, sometime later, King Ezra prompted Haman, some son of Hamatha, the Agathite, over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire, Haman. <laughs> all the king's officials would bow down before Haman and show him respect whenever he passed by. For so the king had commanded, but Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. <laughs> Mordecai said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not bowing down to this man. I'm not bowing down to this man. Then, then the palace officials at the king's gates asked Mordecai, why are you disobeying the king's commands? They spoke to him day after day, but still he refused to comply with the order because we're not, we're not to worship men, right? We're not supposed to worship a man. We're supposed to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though his name is not mentioned in here, even though, uh, but we can, we can trace him. We see him. This is why I say keep looking for what's good in your day so you can see God's goodness all throughout your day. Because when we look for the good, we can see God. We can see the Holy Spirit operating behind the scenes, orchestrating the entire thing. We see the favor of God on Esther.
right? We see the commitment of Esther to authority to uh, by obeying the commands of Mordecai, but we see Mordecai's allegiance to the Lord by not bowing down to a man. <laughs> then the palace officials at the gate, they asked Mordecai, why are you disobeying the king's command? They spoke to him day after day, but still he refused to comply with the order. So they spoke to Haman about this to see if he would tolerate <laughs> If he would tolerate Mordecai's conduct, since Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. When, when Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage because he was filled with pride, right? He had learned of Mordecai's nationality. So he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Exodus. So the plot and the plan and the scheme began. So the plot and the plan and the scheme began because of the pride that's in his life, right? So in the month of April, during the 12th year of King Ezra's reigns, lots were cast in Haman's presence. The lots were called Permium to determine the best day and month to take action. And the day selected, guess what the day selected was? Oh my gosh. The date selected was March 7th, which is today, nearly a year later. And the day selected, good morning, Liz. The day selected was March 11th. I mean, March 7th. Today is March 7th. I didn't realize this. And the day selected was March 7th, nearly a year ago, which is March 7th today. Then Haman approached King Ezra and said, there is a certain race of people scattered throughout all the providence of your empire who keeps themselves separate from everyone else. Here he goes with the plotting and the planning and the scheming. He said their laws are different from those of any other people and they refuse to obey the laws of the king. So it is not good in the king's interest to let them live. If it pleases the king, issue a decree that they be destroyed and I will give 10,000 large sacks of silver to the government administrator to be deposited in the royal treasury. And so the Jews were not like the Germans. Here we see, here we see. This is, you know, we see this going on today. It says, so on April 17th, the king's secretary was summoned in a decree Today is May 7th. I'm, I'm, it's not March 7th. Forgive me. Today is May 7th. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Today is May 7th. You guys get to help, help me out here, Holy Spirit. <laughs> so on April 17th, the king's secretary was summoned and a decree was written exactly as Haman dictated. It was sent to the king's highest officer, the governor of respected providence, and the noble of each providence in their own script and language. The decree was written in the name of King Ezra and sealed with the king's signet, signet ring. It was official. It was official. He had stamped it. He said, it's official. This is what Haman has declared, has decreed, that all Jews shall be annihilated. All Jews should be annihilated because of one Jew. All Jews will be annihilated because he would not bow down and worship. Haman. <laughs> um, 
Dispatches were sent by swift messengers into all the provinces of the empire, giving the order that all Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. This was scheduled to happen on March 7th. Not today is May 7th. This was scheduled to happen on March 7th of the next year. The property of the Jews would be given to those who killed him. Hmm. They, he wanted to annihilate him because he wasn't like him and he wouldn't bow down to him. <laughs> he wasn't like him. He wouldn't bow down to him. Some people will want to annihilate you too when you don't worship them and bow down to them. How many of you know it's about God getting all the glory, God getting all the honor, and God getting all the praise? To you, O oh Lord, be all glory. To you, O oh Lord, be all honor. To you, O oh Lord, be all praise. It says a copy of this creed was to be issued as law in every providence and proclaiming to all people so that they would be ready to do their duty on the appointed day. They had already passed out the decree. This is the king's decree. He has it. At the king's command, the decree went out by swift messengers, and it was also it was also proclaimed in the fortress of Susa. Then the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa fell into confusion. They was confused. They was confused by all of this. Why is the king issuing such a decree? Why is the king issuing such a decree they wanted to annihilate the Jews. Verse 4, it says, when Mordecai learned all about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out to the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gates of the palace, for no one was allow allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. He was mourning. And as news of the king's decree reached all the providence, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fast, wept, and wailed, and many people laid in burlap and ashes. And, and we need to fast and we need to pray because of that murdering spirit that's been loosed into our cities, into our countries, into our. We too need to fast and pray. For if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then they will hear from heaven and I'll heal their land also. Um, Esther 1 and 4, I mean, excuse me, 2 and 4. No, let me see what chapter I'm on. Lord Jesus, 4 and 4. Esther 4 and 4. Esther, When Queen Esther's mating Eunice came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. Mordecai refused. He was in mourning. He was, he says, then Esther sent for Habith, one of the king's units who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. So Habith went out to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destructions of the Jews. He's, he put a hit out. A devil put a hit out on the Jews, didn't he? Verse 8, Mordecai gave Habit a copy of the decree issued in Susa and that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Habit to show it to Esther and explain, <laughs> explain, the situation to her. He also asked Habit to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. 
So Habith returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Good morning, cousin Sam. I'm reading. I'm re reading Esther, the book of Esther, chapter four ten. Our gift will make room for us. Our gift. We don't have to make room for our gift. Our gift will make room for us. Then Esther. It was for such a time as this. It was for such a time as this. It was for such a time as this. It was for such a time as this that Esther was in the position that she was in the position. Everything was strategic. Everything was plotted and planted by the Holy Spirit, even as much as not allowing them to know her nationality. It was for such a time as this that we're here. It was for such a time as this that we were born. It was for such a time. Verse 10, Esther 4 and 10. Then Esther told Habitha to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the province know that anyone who appears before the king and is in her court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his golden scepter. And the king has not called me to come to him for 30 days. So Hathoth gave Esther message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Now Esther is thinking about her salvation. She said, they'll kill me. You know, you can't just go into the king's presence unannounced. He has to beckon you. He has to hold out the golden scepter to say, you can come into my presence. What is Esther going to do? I mean, she can live, she can lose her life for the sake of saving others, or she can hold on to her life and all of her people lose her life. You know, the word of the Lord says, those who hold on to their life shall lose it. But those who's willing to lose their life for Christ's sake shall find it. What is, what is she going to do? Is she not going to reveal who she is so her people could be saved? Or, or she's going to be too afraid to approach the king and lose her life? What is she going to do? What would you do? What would you do? I mean, she she could have been all right. I mean, she, this wasn't even a risk she really had to take. I mean, if she was selfish, she would have just let. I mean, after all, she was she was okay, right? She she was okay. I mean, they didn't never would have to known that she was a Jew, right? If, I mean, if if it was just all about her, she she was already all right. It's kind of like Christ. I mean, he was he was already all right, but he gave his life and he became a living sacrifice, right? So we can all have a way back to the father. He said, um, you can't go in. So Habitha gave uh, uh, Esther's message to Mordecai. 13, Mordecai sent his reply to Esther. <laughs> this is what Mordecai said to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, mm, 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 mm. He said, if you keep quiet at a time like this when all chaos and everything is breaking loose, if you keep quiet, there's a time to speak and there's a time to be quiet. But he said, listen, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you could see, he's saying, if you won't do it, God will bring, he'll bring someone else, else to do it. He said, deliverance is still going to come. Deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives, they will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. For such a time 
as this, for such a time as this. I like to tell people that God created us on purpose, for a purpose, and with this purpose in mind. And because God is not a God of accidents, incidents, or coincidence, it's for such a time as this. And this is why I'm so excited every time I get up in the morning. I'm so excited when I get up in the morning because I'm grateful and thankful that God saw fit to wake me up. That means that he still has a good plan and a good purpose for my life again today. So what I like to say that whenever we fulfill God's plan and purpose for our life each day, we have fulfilled God's plan and purpose for our lives for that day. We have fulfilled the will of God for our lives for this day. So now we see the plot. Now we see the plan. Now we understand why we went through what we went through, because now the Lord is getting ready to reveal her purpose for being in the palace. He's getting ready to reveal to, reveal to her her purpose for the favor. Yeah. <laughs> everything God does, he does for a reason. I'm telling you, everything God does, he does for a reason. So if you find yourself operating and walking in all kinds of favors, not just because everybody likes you, the purpose of that favor, God has put that favor on your life for some type of ministry. <laughs> everything God does, he's very strategic. Everything he does, he does one purpose for a purpose and with his good purpose in mind. There's no accidents, incidents, or coincidence in God. So now he's telling her. Then Esther sent this to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. He said, you need to fast for me. Fast, fast. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights, or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, because when man's laws are against God's laws, then we, we got to go with God because it's better to obey God than to obey man, right? He said, I will go in to, to see the king. If I must die, she's willing to sacrifice her life, right? She said, if I must die, I must die. She said, if, I, if, if, I must, if I'm going to die, then I'm just going to die because I'm willing to sacrifice my life. I'm willing to sacrifice 